0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello everyone and welcome to Adams on
1: Agriculture. As we kick off a new week, hope you had a good weekend. The calendar now says June, but for many, the problems and challenges of weather From April and May, continue on right into this month. And uh, more rain in the forecast this week ahead for many parts of the country. We'll talk about that today with DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino. We're also going to discuss quite a few ag issues today with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Get his thoughts on the president putting more tariffs, getting ready to put more tariffs on Mexico We'll talk about E15 year-round sales and much, much more. That's coming up with Senator Grassley. And we'll get more reaction to those uh, new tariffs that look to be coming next week on Mexico. We'll talk with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council, get his reaction to that. But We're going to kick things off today and for the week with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Is this the week that Congress passes the disaster aid package
2: well good morning mike and we certainly hope so we hope the fourth time is going to be the charm for this disaster bill after being shut down so many times in the house but uh... The, a full expectation that they will do this and uh... be able to get a two-thirds majority of the lawmakers later today in the house of representatives and then hopefully we can get this ball rolling to give the long-needed aid to all those who have been afflicted by wildfires and floods and and all sorts of other problems in between. So it's looking good.
1: Meanwhile, everybody's still reacting, I think, uh, trying to get their heads around uh, uh, this latest round of tariffs that looks like it's coming on Mexico next week.
2: Yes, that was something that I think uh, the business community and the agricultural community has rightly reacted to in a very strong fashion, because we just had the administration submit their Statement of Administrative Action on the U.S.-Mexico.-Canada agreement, and that comes, and then the announcement that we're going to go and slap another 5% and potentially 25% uh, tariffs on our Mexican products, I can only imagine that the pork producer officials who you'll have on your program later will be giving you an earful on this as well. You know, if, if we're going to negotiate with one of our biggest customers, you'd think that we would do so in good faith and not have to throw out a tariff threat every time we want them to step to the table. I'd have to say the good news, though, Mike, is that the Mexican officials have reacted very quickly. They're supposed to be back in Washington today. And I think that's a good sign that they are willing to step up and do a little bit more. And uh, hopefully the uh, the tariffs won't go into effect by June 10th.
1: Hopefully. And then it remains to be seen what impact within Congress this has on uh, passage of USMCA. It's hard to imagine, even though the White House says it's a separate issue, it's hard to imagine that uh, this doesn't have some impact.
2: Well, I just can't imagine that uh, lawmakers are going to separate these issues in their mind. You know, you've got, on one hand, you want to get passage of this, and it's ne- it, it's going to be a heavy lift to begin with to get a lot of House members to approve this. And so why would you make it more difficult by just throwing this into the pot? But uh, uh, this administration has made it very clear that tariffs are kind of their go-to tool in uh, trying to convince others to take action. and. Um, it's it's been working in some respects, but in other respects, uh, I think people are starting to grow weary of how many times you can call people's bluff and say, hey, we might throw this on, and and uh, maybe, maybe it won't ever get implemented, but we're going to threaten it every time we need something. So we'll see. I think, uh, you know, the Mexican government has stepped up, and also the Chinese over the weekend made some favorable comments about their willingness to still negotiate, and so to the extent that we can have these talks with the Mexican government going on, and then perhaps on the sidelines of the G20 next weekend in Japan, there can be some additional discussions with the Chinese. Maybe there could be some resolution. But boy, we sure need to, we need we need some certainty out there. It's just yes, uh, we have Gotta be diving folks nuts.
1: Yeah, and, and meanwhile, we're still waiting and, and all kinds of speculation what's going to happen with this next round of market facilitation payments. What will that county rate you know, formula be and will prevent plant acres be part of the package now?
2: Yeah, that's really the big uncertainty right now. And uh, we sent our crew up to Pennsylvania where Secretary Purdue was doing some meet and grades last week. And, uh, you know, he surprised us by saying that perhaps prevent plant the the percent coverage would be increased from the normal 55 percent to 90 percent. It's still unclear whether or not there's the ability to legally do that. He also talked about perhaps unplanted acres would be covered. Uh, But then at the same time, he would say, then we don't want farmers to make decisions based on what government actions may or may not be. So um, there's a lot of different moving parts here, and, and we'd really like them to clarify that. Just as the uh, American Farm Bureau, you may have seen sent a letter in saying, give us some clarity on what this trade aid's going to look like. Are you going to cover unplanned Acres? Are you going to make it uh, MFP on perhaps historical production if people can't get in the field, or what's going to go on here? So we um, I guess
1: stay tuned, Mike. You know, obviously the administration wanted to show its support of farmers, and that's why they came out with the announcement. But as many have questioned it becoming more and more of a question, why do they do it so soon if they don't have the details and payments aren't going to be made for a while yet anyway? It seems like maybe they rushed on this.
2: Oh, I think they did. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Secretary Purdue was saying there wasn't going to be a round two of market facilitation program payments. But I think there became a point in time, and perhaps uh, Vice President Pence going back out to Indiana and talking to farmers and finding out how bad it was, uh, sent a message into the White House saying, we've got to do something now. These folks are really hurting. And so all of a sudden there's a trade aid package again. Um, not to say that there aren't a lot of good folks trying to figure out how to make it fair and, and, uh, help farmers, but it was, I think, pretty quickly put together.
1: Meanwhile, a lot of farmers trying to decide about plant or prevent plant, and in many cases, Mother Nature's making the decision for them.
2: Oh, absolutely. And it just just hurts you to go look at the weather forecast right now and see more rain coming and, the levees that are breaching in so many parts of the country and so areas where farmers perhaps did get planted are now flooded. uh, It's a sorry state of affairs. So, uh, you know, our hearts and and, and, uh, really go out to those folks who are afflicted this year. And we'll be looking for that crop progress report later today to see if some folks were able to Still, get a little bit more corn in. I know some analysts were fairly bullish. There would be a little bit more progress in Iowa and Illinois and Indiana, but the folks we're talking to still feel like uh, they're they're really going to have a tough year.
1: All right, Sarah, thanks a lot. Maybe we'll get some answers to some of these questions uh, this week, hopefully. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. S-
1: Sarah Wyan, editor at president of AgriPulse Communications. Well, we'll talk about that weather forecast that has more rain in it for this coming week with Mike Palmerino, DTM meteorologist. Next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, let's talk with one Illinois farmer between the Quad Cities and Peoria. David Erickson joins us. David, thanks for being with us. How much do you have done?
3: Um, I'm about uh, 95% plus on corn, so I feel fortunate there, and, and most of that corn is up, but no soybeans planted. For the most part, Mike, we've not gotten big rains. Although last night, depending on where you're at here in Knox County in Illinois, we're uh, you know somewhere between uh, I'd say 1.6 and two and a half inches. Our forecast is for a little bit drier weather, and in today's lingo, that means uh, scattered showers of uh, you know somewhere between two tenths and half an inch. So we're as wet now as we've been at any time this spring, and uh, we're looking at a week's worth of drying uh, to get back into the fields, I would guess.
1: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
4: Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions I'll tell you like I'll tell them all? Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner.
1: Well, unfortunately, so far, the June forecast is looking about the same as the May forecast did. Let's see if there are any changes now as we check in with DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino. Mike, thanks for being with us. Uh, What's this week ahead look like?
6: Well, it looks better for a few spots, Mike. Uh, We do see a little bit of a shift in the wet pattern. We don't see an end to the wet pattern, but it looks like this week the uh, heaviest rainfall is... uh, going to tend to occur along and south of I-80, so uh, Omaha, Des Moines, Quad Cities, uh, over towards uh, you know South Bend and Toledo, along and south of that line, that's where they're going to get pounded with additional heavy rains, and that heavy rain's going to extend uh, all the way back into the southern plains as well, so uh, no relief for them. Uh, the northwestern Corn Belt, northern plains, it looks... Uh, less active this week, so they probably going to get some work done up there.
1: Well, that's good news. We know some areas, there were pockets over the weekend that got quite a bit done. My area of west central Illinois, a lot of field work got done over the weekend. Uh, So it's just kind of been, continues that way, right? Pockets here, pockets there where some work can get done. Other places, of course, we know the flooding is uh, just uh, um, you know continues and more and more breaches of levees and more flooded areas. It when we look at where that water's coming down, uh, the northern areas, what do we expect this week ahead? Is uh, more water going to be coming there and then headed downstream?
6: I don't think it will be in the far north. I, I think that the upper Mississippi will see a uh, rather quiet week. But I would say from, you know, about the mid from about the Quad Cities area on southward uh, down to St. Louis and, potentially as far south as Memphis and then back, you know, up through the Missouri Valley uh as far up as uh Omaha and uh you know, clearly the Arkansas River as well which is in major flood right now. Those areas are going to continue to see uh significant flooding probably exacerbated by more uh, heavy rains this week.
1: So Mike, I guess the big question is do you see, and if so, when a big shift in this pattern away from uh, the excessive wet conditions?
6: We definitely don't see that, Mike. Uh, you know, you sort of, you, you sort of made the answer easy there by seeing, by saying, you know, a major shift in this pattern away from wet conditions. We do not. We see a movement of the wet weather. As we said, you know, it's, it's shifting more to the south and east right now. It's going to stay that way this week. And then there are indications that it may start to move back up, you know, further to the north and west as we head into uh, the uh, middle of June. So I see it moving around, but I don't see it uh, coming to an end.
1: What are your long-range projections and models look like for this summer?
6: Well, again, you know, at this point, with with this pattern being so unusual and, and really not a lot of major precedent for it, it it's hard to have a high-confidence forecast uh, uh, in terms of where things are going. You almost have to look a little bit more at climatology. Uh, as we said, it's unlikely this pattern is going to go dry. So it's going to be a matter of to what degree of wetness are we going to be experiencing. And the only thing you can say about that is that the, one of the main reasons for all this wet weather has been the tremendous temperature contrast from north to south. And normally you wouldn't see that amount of contrast, you know, continuing so long into the spring. But, as we move into the the summer months here now, you would have to assume that that temperature contrast from north to south is going to diminish, and that's going to allow a pattern that is probably going to stay wet but won't be as wet as we move forward. and And that's about all you can say right now that you know a, a pattern that's mostly above normal rainfall now, will likely shift more towards normal to somewhat above normal as we go into the, uh, the you know, heart of the summer months.
1: Acres are not going to get planted at all. But for those that are, they're late. Uh, you know, a lot of questions now about uh, we'll be looking at those degree units during the summer. You know, do we get enough heat? How long is the growing season? We'll really be focused on those frost dates later this year. I mean, this everything is just kind of out of whack when when it comes to our normal schedule or our way of thinking about time periods.
6: It is, and, you know, you, you bring up a very good point because I've been looking, sort of thinking in that direction here in that, you know, I, I've i almost been to a degree, you know, we know what we've got now and how difficult it's to deal with, but I've already been thinking ahead about the fall and everything. And, uh, you know, the only thing that, again, it's kind of simplistic reasoning, but I have noticed in the last few years that we have been displacing the seasons. Winter seems to be starting later. Spring seems to be starting later. Summer's starting later. And, you know, that's been the trend here. And if if you want to try to pull anything positive out of this, you you might be able to make the case that fall will start later this year so that you could potentially extend this growing season, which would clearly help out producers with all this late planting.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I've been kind of – I've been thinking about this too, and talking about this for a year or two. That maybe uh, we just have to adjust our thinking on—you on, know—we can't go well. We've always planted at this time. Maybe those seasons are changing to the point where you start later, but it goes later.
6: Yeah, I I think that that's you know that's clearly a, a way of thinking right now that is very viable, you know. And we've seen that a little bit too the last few years, Mike, where. You know, there's been concerns because of late planting. This isn't the first year, but this is the worst, and the issues of potentially a potential yield reduction due to plantings beyond a certain date, and they really haven't come to uh, fruition. We we have not seen the classic yield reductions because we have been extending the fall season uh, later.
1: I've used the example uh, the last few years here where I'm at in Illinois seems like I'm more apt to be mowing my lawn on Thanksgiving than I am on Easter, which kind of gave gave me an indication hey, things are shifting here,
6: absolutely, and I've also noticed that you know we tend to lose uh the leaves on deciduous trees uh falling later into November now, where you know in years past you wouldn't have seen leaves on many trees at all by November,
1: yeah. It's different, that's for sure. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino. Well, Mike, what about temperatures uh, this coming
6: week? Uh, Not too bad. It actually looks like it's uh, going to be kind of a normal to above normal week of temperature, which would put your ranges pretty much uh, anywhere from the, I'd say, the upper 70s to the middle 80s. you know, with the wet weather, it's going to be hard to really generate any significant heat. All the heat that we're seeing right now is down over the southeastern part of the country. But I would say within normal levels is, is what we're going to be dealing with here during the coming week.
1: Yeah, and as we look at uh, different parts of the country, I mean, all kinds of challenges. Obviously, the flooding that continues. Uh, we know the, the challenges of planting. we got in wheat country, they're getting too much rain, in a lot of those areas are really putting stress on the wheat crop.
6: Oh, we are, and I think with each passing day here, you know, that's one of the source regions for all this rain as, the, uh, as that big ridge of high pressure over the southeast just acts as a moisture pump and pushes that moisture, the gulf moisture, right on back into the southern plains, and then you've got that temperature contrast they're they're going to be one of the wettest areas in the entire central part of the country this week, and, you know, the quality of that wheat, I think with every passing day, you're looking at more and more of that wheat becoming more feed quality due to low protein and uh, and disease.
1: Well, 2019 is going to be one of those years that we'll look back on and and compare other years to it, right? Uh, this Just one of those landmark years, we'll say, well, remember what happened in 2019,
6: I think you're
1: right. Absolutely. All right, Mike, thank you for being with us. Appreciate you sitting in for us this week. Thanks. You're welcome. DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino. Well, of course, who knows? Maybe as it plays out, maybe 2019 won't be so different. Uh, Does this become the norm? Are the seasons changing that much, as we discussed? Uh, Time will tell. Well, lots going on to discuss with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley next. His thoughts on more tariffs on Mexico, E-15 sales year-round, and much, much more. A Washington update coming up next with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right
0: up. You're going to need
3: me. You're going to need us.
0: All of us. You're going to need our technical skills
4: our math, our engineering skills.
0: You're
7: going to need our help with your water,
3: your air, your food. You're going to need our organizational skills, our problem-solving skills.
4: You're going to need our determination, our honesty, our compassion.
0: You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise, we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4 H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4H.org.
5: Time now for a market update here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Positive signs in wheat futures on this Monday trading session. Corn futures a penny or two higher, while soybeans are seven to eight cents higher. Chicago wheat pressing to a lower close on Friday. Corrective action setting in after the strong recent gains. July Chicago wheat, an hour into this trading day on a Monday, up 17 and three quarters at 520 and three quarters of a cent. Kansas City wheat, July up 20 and three quarters at 493 and a half. Minneapolis spring wheat, July up 12 at 564. September up 11 and a half at 572 and three quarters of a cent. In corn, July up two and a quarter, four twenty nine and a quarter. We hit over levels last week, according to the Weyer Talk. the fourteen day relative strength index at seventy-two percent on Friday. On the upside, July corn seeing a major bullish chart objective at four forty-five, the May twenty-fourth, twenty eighteen swing high. We're at four twenty-nine and three quarters, up two and three quarters. In soybeans, July up eight at eight eighty-five and three-quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck and Live Cattle Futures, nearby June down twenty-seven, one hundred eight twenty. August up twenty at one hundred three twenty-seven. Feeder cattle August up ninety at one thirty four oh two. Lean hog futures July up eighty-two at eighty-six seventy-five. Cash cattle activity saw sales last week at one fifteen in the South, generally a dollar lower than the prior week's weighted averages, dress deals roughly a buck and a half to two and a half higher than the prior week, mostly 186 per hundred weight. Outside markets, the Dow up 41 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network.
0: I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Devorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning. But you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem... We're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over.
3: Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland, forty-nine. Oregon DM 31
1: We have a lot to talk about with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, who joins us now. Senator, thanks for being with us. Uh, I know you, like many, have questioned the wisdom of more tariffs on Mexico. What are your thoughts?
7: Well, my thoughts are that on 99% of the stuff the president wants to do on immigration, I am for. But when I worked so hard uh, over three or four months to get the president to take the tariffs off of uh, aluminum and steel on the U.S.-Mexico-Canadian trade agreement, Uh, then uh, I thought, uh, uh, you know, uh, big mile forward, now a half a mile back, maybe uh, one step forward, two steps back, for all I know. It depends on how this is going to come out. But uh, I just don't think trade... And uh, immigration issues uh, match or connected. And so, consequently, uh, I think that he is uh, doing the wrong thing by putting the the tariffs on Mexico because we, by removing steel and aluminum tariffs, Canada and Mexico, we get rid of the retaliatory tariffs that they put on corn, uh, pork— and cheese in Mexico, and we're going to be able to get more wheat and dairy products into Canada, uh, which is uh, really helping agriculture on the U.S.-Mexico-Canadian agreement. I want to get it through the Congress, get it through the Mexican Senate, and get it through the Parliament of uh, of Canada, and get it a done deal. And the president's on a cusp of victory, a big victory, Uh, one of his biggest campaign uh, promises, and why set it back with mixing up trade and uh, immigration.
1: Now, of course, the White House says this is separate from USMCA, and we know talks are going on uh, with Mexico, but still, hard to imagine this can happen in a vacuum and not impact USMCA. What are your thoughts on how much more difficult this will make it to, Uh, to get it passed in Congress?
7: Well, let's hope that with uh, the Canadian foreign minister and another team of people from Mexico City coming to Washington in two days to negotiate, this thing may be uh, not even an issue after Wednesday. At least that's my hope. And it seems to me as irritated as the president of Mexico could legitimately be over what the president's suggesting. Uh, He's uh, uh, kept his uh, statements pretty moderate. Uh, And uh, the willingness to come up here and talk to the president, I think that if the president uses tariffs as a a tool to negotiate, it's one thing. If they're kind of a permanent uh, fixture on his public policy of international trade, then I think that's wrong.
1: We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Senators, we continue to wait for more details on the market facilitation uh, payments. Uh, what are your thoughts on the approach the administration has taken, and do you have any thoughts on whether Prevent Plant Acres should be included in that package?
7: I think they should be included, uh, but uh, whether they will be or not, I don't know for sure, And uh, but I would uh, hope so. Uh, the extent to which... Uh, uh, th- this issue comes up. Obviously, I always start that we want markets and don't want aid, uh, but uh, if if the president is, uh, and I've said he's right in pushing China to negotiate things that three previous presidents wouldn't push, uh, then I've got to say he's uh, got uh, China's attention, uh, whether uh, that'll be a short uh, uh, diversion from negotiations or whether it's a long period of time, I don't know. But in the meantime, the aid that the President is putting forth is going to help uh, probably one of the industries most affected by the tariffs.
1: All right, let's move on. We did have a big announcement last week on E15. It did get uh, approved for year-round sales. I know uh, you were happy about that.
7: Uh Finally, uh, I think I first put a bill in on this subject five, six, seven years ago and finally getting it done, uh, particularly when uh, environmentalists and the oil companies say it's bad for the environment, and studies have shown E15 is no different than E10 when it comes to the environment. And, uh, and if you want to uh, uh, have uh, something that's environmentally friendly, Uh, good for uh, agriculture, good for uh, good-paying jobs in rural America at our uh, ethanol plants, good for our national security with less dependent upon foreign sources of energy, Uh, then obviously uh, E-15 12 months out of the year makes sense. And with the E-15 12 months out of the year, we're going to get more filling stations uh, putting pumps in to do that uh, when they can use them 12 months out of the year instead of just eight months. You can imagine in the latter case, uh, you can understand why they don't want to put up the investment.
1: Meanwhile, the biodiesel industry is hoping for some good news as far as their tax credits is concerned. What's the status of the tax extenders package?
7: Well, I'm sorry to say, as the one that's leading the charge in the United States Senate, nothing. And under our Constitution, the Senate can't pass tax bills. They've got to start in the House of Representatives, so we're waiting for the House of Representatives uh, to move on. Until they move, we can't do much. Hmm.
1: Meanwhile, you're waiting to see what the House does on disaster aid. How frustrating has it been that th- this has not moved more quickly?
7: Frustrating from this standpoint that most often uh, di- uh, disaster relief is done by consensus, uh, passing without a roll call vote or overwhelmingly supportive of it. And, uh, and, to, and this passed the House of Representatives by a wide margin. And then it gets over here to the Senate, and the Democrats want to hold it up because there's not enough money in food stamps for Puerto Rico. With $620 million in it, how much is not enough? So then you get another $300 million put in, but it's been held up a month. And quite frankly, we're going to have to have another disaster bill this year. So it shouldn't have been held up because if there was more money needed for food stamps for Puerto Rico, it could have been put in some successy bill. And the reason I know there needs to be a successy bill is we haven't even calculated the damage done by the floods uh, on the Missouri River and uh, now on the Mississippi River. And pretty soon, every state up and down... Uh, from Minnesota to the Gulf of Mexico uh, is going to be hit. And so there's going to be another disaster bill. And uh, that could have been added then, and we could have passed this bill a month ago. But it will what be a- passed by the House of Representatives on Tuesday.
1: Okay. What about infrastructure? Is that now pushed way back after the last meeting between the president and uh, and Nancy Pelosi?
7: Yes, and I hope not because we need infrastructure improvements.
1: But it kind of got tangled in with uh, with other things, and now it seems like it's it's taken a major step back.
7: Well, it has, and and there's not much I can say about it except your question uh, answers itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what do you see now, uh, along with disaster aid? What else do you see getting done in Congress this year?
7: Well, I expect that we're going to have uh, uh, a a big debate over increasing the national debt uh, so the government can continue to operate. We're going to have uh, have to have a bipartisan solution on the uh, spending caps uh, for the next two years. Those discussions got started two weeks ago. But ended without agreement, and I think that uh, that that's going to be the major issue between now and uh, an adjournment. Uh, uh, you know, sometime around Thanksgiving.
1: What is your focus going to be on?
7: My focus is going to be on, as chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, uh, three things: one, getting the U.S. MCA uh, trade agreement. Uh, Mexico and Canada passed uh, bills to reduce the cost of prescription drugs uh, and, uh, and also uh, tax legislation uh, dealing with uh, uh, IRS reform, incentives for savings, and then lastly uh, to uh, reform some of the uh, presidential authority on putting tariffs on, under the 1963 legislation that delegated too much of Congress's constitutional authority to the president. And this brings me back to a bigger issue. Uh, Over the weekend, I heard so much about a constitutional crisis because the president's exerting a lot of authority under law. Uh, actually, don't blame the president for the constitutional crisis. You've got to blame the Congress of the United States uh, for the last uh, 70 or 80 years, uh, uh, ignoring their constitutional responsibility uh, to legislate, uh, turning over a lot of decision-making that ought to be made by Congress and giving it to the president to make.
1: Very interesting. All right. Senator, we are out of time. Thank you, as always. We look forward to our next visit. Thank you.
7: I'll be glad to be back with you, Mike.
1: All right. Thank you, sir. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Very interesting. Well, tariffs is a big topic. Uh, as the president gets ready to put more on Mexico, we're going to talk about that with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away, more Adams on Agriculture coming right
0: up. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural you must always call 811 before any digging project 811 is our national one call number alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site you must call 811 at least 2 to 3 business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities this includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines electric communication cables and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.
1: recently on atoms on agriculture
5: so we just talked with nick giordano
1: with the national pork producers council obviously they are ecstatic that the uh, metal tariffs on canada and mexico have been lifted we can talk about that as well with colin woodall for the national cattlemen's beef association colin this was looked at as a a must have to get usmca moving forward and i know you at ncba are happy to have uh, those tariffs lifted
3: we're extremely happy to see these tariffs lifted Now, we're in a little bit different shape from our friends in the pork industry because they were really getting hammered with the tariffs. But we were also, though, however really pushing to try to get these tariffs taken down because we knew if we wanted to have a chance of getting a vote on USMCA, the tariffs were going to have to be a part of this deal. So the fact that this is done uh, earlier is, I think, going to be overall very beneficial to uh, the process of getting a vote and finally passing USMCA and and putting this chapter behind us.
1: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
2: Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean!
0: separate cook and chill
2: the easy lessons of clean separate cook and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe clean wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food
0: separate use different
2: cutting boards for meat poultry seafood and veggies Cook. you can't tell it's done by how it looks always use a food thermometer
3: chill.
2: Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Please,
0: separate, cook, and chill.
2: For more information, visit
4: BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-Hotline. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions I'll tell you like I'll tell them all? Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner.
0: Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life.
5: Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the pipeline operators for AG Safety Campaign.
0: Well, the
1: celebrations were just getting started for the lifting of metal tariffs on Canada and Mexico when all of a sudden here comes another announcement of more tariffs uh, coming up on Mexican goods coming into the U.S. starting worked out this week. Let's talk about it with Nick Giordano, Vice President and Council, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Nick, here we go again. Your thoughts on, on this announcement?
3: Well, this is a huge problem for pork producers. We just, were, uh, we just got off of Mexico's retaliation list for the metals issue, and that was taken $12 off the head of every hog sold in the U.S., and uh, now it looks like we may be headed to another tariff skirmish, and you know that they're going to come after ag, and so our guys are very concerned, and, this is not only back on our list, it's our number one hair-on-fire issue.
1: Now, we know talks are still going on between Mexican officials and U.S. officials, and the White House says this is step separate from USMCA, but can it be separate?
3: Well, look, MPPC, it, we got to have open trade, free trade with Mexico. Um, NAFTA has been a runaway success for us because of our zero tariff access to mexico and the 20 percent punitive tariffs on us were really a problem so we support usmca but um you know this latest uh blow up here on on tariffs yeah you're right members of congress are saying that this could be a real problem so we not only have a huge big short-term immediate problem with the threat of Mexican tariff retaliation looming as soon as next Monday. But now we've got a longer term issue about, you know, are we going to have USMCA? What happens to the NAFTA? And are we, you know, are we headed to 5% tariffs that are going to ratchet up? I mean, a lot of a, a lot of big questions out there.
1: Just when we were starting to see a little momentum, I thought, pick up for USMCA, some actions, some movement, more discussion on it publicly, it seemed like it was starting to go, and then this comes along.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we um, were very optimistic with the metal tariffs coming off. Of course, that was, you know, members of Congress threw the gauntlet down on that. And the metal tariffs went away. And, uh, you know, Ambassador Lighthizer's done a very good job of working with Speaker Pelosi and Ways and Means Chairman Neal and, uh, you know, the House Dems and addressing their concerns. And it looked like, you know, we could be it certainly wasn't a sure thing, but it looked like we were headed for a a vote before the August recess. And, uh, you know, if we don't get a vote before the August recess and we get closer to the 2020 election, I'm, I'm, I'm sure listeners understand that that becomes very complicated.
1: Meanwhile, on China, things don't look or sound real good, although we hear from China they are still willing to talk.
3: Well, that's important. And both um, the Mexicans on the, on the tariff issue and the asylum issue and, and the Chinese on, uh, on the 301 intellectual property issues want to talk that's a positive thing. I mean that the the China problem for us has has been eight dollars off the price of every hog sold in the U.S. So it's really it's really impacted us. When you combine that with you know the impact of the metal tariffs in Mexico it was twenty dollars a head off every animal sold in the U.S. And you know I I um, I hope we're headed not I hope we're not headed back. The retaliation on on pork and other US products in Mexico and that would just exacerbate the problem we're having with China and obviously our producers are we want these issues resolved um, it, it's really painful financially and it can it can't happen soon enough
1: yeah just those two countries and the disputes there twenty dollars ahead uh, on on uh, for our hogs that we're losing right there. So let's talk about the situation in China, African swine fever. Uh, what is the latest you're hearing on this?
3: No, well, it's a big problem in China. And, you know, that's the that's the silver lining. You know, as it, bad as things have been for, for the industry, being on both China and Mexico's retaliation list, I think the thing that's helped us from not going under is the ASF in China and um, they're having a heck of a time containing it um, most analysts are looking at this as, as, as at least a three to four year problem could be longer so you know for for our guys it's kind of been uh a, you know a silver lining and all the bad things that have been happening on the trade front you know you never you never wish a country uh, a a, a problem whether with a animal disease or a plant disease but um it's 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 been important for us price-wise and obviously putting upward global um, pressure on on hog prices
1: the fact that they are buying as much as they are even with the tariffs does that indicate how serious it is and their need over there
3: well, the estimates are that a third of their production is, is gone and it's not going to be back for some time. And, and who knows? Maybe not ever. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's a huge opportunity when you consider that China's not just the largest pork-consuming country in the world, but the biggest pork-producing country in the world. And um, they really had only been importing a small percentage of their needs. So with that much production um, displaced, it is a tremendous opportunity. Now, the issue we're faced with, though, is that um, if we're selling at a 62 percent tariff, so we've got a 50 percent punitive tariff on us by the Chinese, our competitors are selling at 12 percent. So 12 and 50 is 62, what we're selling at. If you're a Chinese importer, you know, you're going to – the U.S. is probably going to be your last choice, not your first choice. So, obviously, we need to get the China situation fixed ASAP.
1: All right, Nick. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me,
1: Mike. Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA.